You're listening to Alcoholics Alive, where recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous share their experience on how they live AA as a way of life. None of our participants get paid or speak for AA. Here are your hosts, Shank and Wayne. Let's, uh, you want to move on to meeting shrapnel? Let's hit it. All right. What is our, um, so for anybody listening on meeting shrapnel, we just kind of look at, uh, things in alcoholics anonymous that are sayings or slogans, or maybe have turned into rituals or lore. And we just kind of talk about it and see if we, uh, should keep it or not keep it. <laughs> or or to say if it's AA or not AA. So what's the first one, Shank? All right. Up first, we have using the doorknob as your higher power. Ooh. Which, you know, I, I, I've heard actually recently of just like, you know, anything greater than you can be that doorknob. Um, we heard that the other night in the, <laughs> in the meeting, didn't we? In the home <laughs> we group. Yeah. We did. And I'm just like, I'm going to go up and and touch that doorknob it seems too personal i don't know it seems like <laughs> odd a little um tammy what what do you think using the doorknob as your hp do you hear that i've definitely heard it yeah, yeah. <clears throat> i think i literally just heard yesterday morning somebody talk about um using a chair so it was a similar you know type yeah. of concept and uh <laughs> i don't i mean i don't I don't know that it worked for me. I know the book talks about using the group, you know, the Mm -hmm. the group is kind of the first um, power that you could find if you're struggling with this or something. But so my position uh, on these kind of things is I'm pretty sure that's not in our literature. Right. But, Mm -hmm. uh, but, but I really think that some things as silly as they seem, that's like the best people can do, mm-hmm. you know, like the story I heard about the woman using the chair. I was like, okay, well that wouldn't have worked for me. Um, and I also think it's along the lines and I've heard you guys talk about this before that, you know, fear is what kept me here early days, but fear won't keep me sober forever. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think that type of idea may get you there to open the door just a little bit, but it won't keep you there you mm-hmm. know, for sure. Right. Now, see, I can steal the chair and break it or burn it. So I, I just, I just don't know how that would work for somebody. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I get the, the, the concept here and what they're getting at. They're trying to keep it simple, and they're, they're trying probably to get people to open their minds up and say, "Hey, you can believe in anything." And I guess if we believe what the book says, then technically, you could have a doorknob as your higher power. I will say oh. that there were a couple years in there when I um, went to a big book study and it was just drilled in that this was not it. And when I would hear it in meetings, I would go up to that person after and be like, let me show you all of these things in the book. Let me talk to you about why that is crazy and let me help you get a higher power. And that's also not the right thing to do. Yeah. Well, I think it won't last long if you believe in a, in a doorknob as your higher power. <laughs> or the chair, yeah. I guess. Or the chair. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to keep that one or scrap it? Scrap it. Scrap it. I think Tammy's going to keep it. It's out of here. 
you keeping it, Tammy? No, 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 no. <laughs> you can keep it. No, Crap. I definitely don't want to keep yeah. that one. Yeah. Uh, all right. Hey, what if we uh, think it's time to move, move on to meeting shrapnel? Yeah, so you brought up a good... Uh, I wanted to bring it up earlier, but, uh, you know, talking about the, the allergy for me personally, when I arrived in Alcoholics Anonymous, I did not care if it was hereditary, if it was an allergy, I didn't need to know any of that. I knew that I had it. So moving on, what do I need to do? But one of the things that I hear often in AA meetings is, you know, well, your disease is in the parking lot doing pushups. <laughs> waiting for you and where in the book uh wayne does it talk about the disease that's a good question shane it does not as a matter of fact the big book never mentions the word disease as it relates to alcoholism it it does say in resentments that there's that, that we have a spiritual disease that's referring to resentments but it refers to alcoholism as being an illness or a spiritual malady. So John. there's really no in there anything in there about the disease. So I think sometimes we use that term to scare people. And that sometimes people would use the term disease when it's really just their selfishness and their self-centeredness. And you know that, that it's the human condition, but they want to blame it on something else. I think sometimes it's used to make being an alcoholic like more legitimate in some in some way, you know, where it's not just someone who lives under a bridge, which I don't I'm not sure what I thought an alcoholic was when I got here. But as soon as I heard people share their experience, I was like, okay, I've got it. You know, it just wasn't a big deal. But to some people and to some women I've sponsored. They just really wanted to be on the DSM five, like, right? Yes, this is something that I have, you know, and I can say today that I'm a recovered alcoholic, but it doesn't mean I'm cured. That's right. Save the whale, John. What do you think about this? I, I, I really just want to start off by thanking, you know, old time. I'm really grateful for old timers like like Wayne here, who <laughs> pointed out to me early on that nowhere in the literature does it say that alcoholism is a disease. Because now I can't go a meeting without hearing somebody call alcoholism a disease and immediately judging them and thinking they're a terrible man. Uh-huh. So yeah. that has yeah. been going on since I got sober. I, it was pointed out to me early that it's not a disease. And I think both of you described it very, very well. That the reason that I think specifically we're talking about that right now and saying, hey, it's not that is because it's so easy to use that as an excuse. It's so easy to say, well, I have a disease. You know, what do you do? Mm-hmm. What do you do? You know, I'm just going to give me your money. My, you know, yeah. My disease yeah. made me do it. Screw yes. you. Know, what do you do? You know, I'm like, sorry, I robbed you again. You know, well, I does, what does What <laughs> does know? that even mean? Like, so don't go outside or like have a sober buddy with you, a sober liaison at all times. So it doesn't jump out and get you. Like, I don't understand the meaning. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. I heard some dude give a talk at 24's old home group. I got to say this. He gave a whole talk on this term, dis-ease. Yes, you do hear I'm, that a lot. I'm at, you remember that, 24? Yeah. I'm at, I got it. I'm ill and I'm dis-ease. I'm, mm-hmm. at, I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? I have heard that, yeah. the dis-ease. 
disease talk before. That sounds like graduate level, PhD level AA, and I'm happy to not be there. All right, we're going to. Yeah, so we're going to scrap this one. Let's do meeting shrapnel. uh, So the first meeting shrapnel, Otis, is the term it's a selfish program. Me, me, me. What do you think about that, Otis? I think it is the opposite of a selfish program. It is a self-forgetting program, uh, nor do I think it is a self-help program. Hmm. I think it's a trust God, clean house, help others program. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opposite of selfish. This is an unselfish program. So what is it that people mean when they say that, though? Like, I feel like I hear it in the context of... I have to take care of little Susie, you know, to, to before I can take care of others. And, and there's certainly, I don't know, maybe there's some truth to that, but to me, that's just not AA. Yeah. I, Hey, listen, I think we should shut this down and all of us go get some me time right now. <laughs> and I'm going to go, I'm going to go run a hot bubble bath and, uh. Give me some hot tea, Otis, and just feel good. Listen, Are you getting I, enough me time, Jerry? I, I mean, I take, I love to take a bath. Like sure. I'm a bath girl. I love to drink tea. I love yes. to. I go and get a massage. Massage, yes. I do all these other th- like those are in addition to my life. Like I have so many hours in the day now because I'm not hungover or I'm not drinking or I'm not planning all of those things. Mm-hmm. But it's like everything I want to do. I can do. Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful that, that I don't think we hear this as much as we used to, at least I don't. And it's maybe because of the, the meetings that I go to, I don't go to a lot of those goofy meetings anymore, but I think it was probably again, born out of a, a, a treatment center mm-hmm. at a time when it was, it was thought or believed that you had to just absolutely ditch everything and go to nothing but meetings and you had to take care of yourself first in order to stay sober. And I, th- I think there's some validity in that when you first get sober, you've got to do a few certain things to stay sober and to kind of build that foundation. And it can look almost as irresponsible as drinking to like family and friends sometimes. But at some point, that's got to shift to where you're you're sober and you're 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 trying to help people and you're trying to, to give back to your family and give back to your community and your employer or whatever that is. So I, I think it's it's misinterpreted because um, what I heard, it's kind of like the 90-90. What I heard when I heard this was that, man, I just got to do whatever I got to do. It doesn't matter what my family, friends and employer think or, or I'm, I got to do what I got to do. And I, I don't think that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, You're, do you want to do you want to keep it? Do you want to scrap it? Oh, I'm scrapping this one. <laughs> I, I don't know about Otis. He may have a few more words about it. But. No, no, it, it, it's got to go. Okay. Uh, we, I, I think you're right. I think that well-intended place was, um, and you don't hear this too often anymore, is you got to put this program above everything, right? Yeah. You got to make it the most important thing in your life. And then the way we interpret that, yes, we don't interpret that as uh, I've got to play spiritual principles first. <laughs> the way we interpret that is uh, I got to get out of this marriage and I got to go to uh, 175 yep. meetings in the next mm-hmm. week, you know? Um, so it probably came from a good place, but it, it's an unselfish program. Scrap it. Uh, 
our first meeting shrapnel is your ego is not your amigo. <laughs> so uh, we do have some meeting shrapnel that's very popular and you hear it a lot. And we do have some that we've started to kind of, um, include that are may not, that may not be quite as popular things that you hear a lot, but this one here is probably one that not everybody has heard, or maybe you have. What do you think about that one, doc? Your ego is not your amigo. Have you ever heard it? <laughs> I have not heard that one. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in, uh, in Atlanta area now. And, uh, that's, that's a new one to me. I know the book, um, uh, does not have anything, uh, the 12 is all mentioned, mentions ego a lot more, especially the step, uh, fifth step talking about ego deflation. Uh, not, not a whole lot is good said about it, but, um, so I don't think I'll ever be using it, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, not a lot of good things. We're, we're trying to get push. We're trying to get rid of the ego here, ego deflation. So I'm not a fan. I'm, I, I, I get the, uh, the phrase, but I, I won't be using it. So Shane, Aww, what, man. <laughs> so what is it saying that I guess your, your ego is not your friend. Yeah. Shane, is that what it's saying? I would assume so. <laughs> Just, you know, don't listen to your, your friend, your ego. Don't listen to that little Susie voice in your head that says it's okay to steal out of the seventh tradition basket. Well, that's right. <laughs> so it's an accurate statement then, right? Your ego Oh, is not... for sure. <laughs> of course it's an accurate statement, you know? Like, I don't need to be doing anything based on ego, truthfully. That doesn't mean I never do, but... Right. Have you ever heard anybody say it? I have. Yeah. <laughs> I sure have. And when that person says it, whoever says it, I believe it to be true as they say it. Right. I'm like, that is a true statement. I don't yeah. know that it's that helpful. It's it's probably not that helpful. It's just, it's, it's prop to me. It's one of the goofiest sounding ones that we've, that we've brought up. Yeah. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah. You know, and you could see one of those slogan slingers in their talk. Just, it, it's, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah you've seen them slogans nice. we, well we you know yeah right uh, you know a couple of them right uh -huh. off the top of your head um yeah but you could you could see this would be one that they would definitely throw into their share ego oh, for is sure. not your amigo for sure yeah so scrap it scrap it doctor scrap it all right what's next Next, we have It Works If You Work It. Ooh. What you got, Jay Wayne? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I know I've said it probably thousands of times. <laughs> it's dumb, though. I mean, it's like, I don't know. It's an accurate statement, but what do you, I mean, what are you working? It works if you work it. I think it's just another kind of a juvenile treatment center 
statement that it's not, it just, it doesn't provide any value to anybody. You know what I don't like about it works if you work it is after you say the prayer and people yank on your hands and they say it. They're like, it works if you work it. And you live it every day. Hey. (laughs) I don't like that. Don't yank on my hands. I don't like it. Yeah. (laughs) Debbie, what do you think? Grab it. Oh, yes. That's decisive. Nice. This one here can bring actual harm. Because it also insinuates that if you go back out, just come back. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not here to tell people that it's safe for you to go back out and come back. That's just not my story. I've seen too many people die. Um, I think this one, uh, if it works, if you work it, I've always felt uncomfortable. Oh my God, here I go. I've always felt uncomfortable with it. Um, I don't really use it that I can remember that I've ever used it with a, a sponsee. Good. Good. Um, so it's always felt uncomfortable. And so here you go. You got an outlet. Don't use it. It's use something else. Use something like, uh, oh God, there's some other shrapnel I keep thinking of now, but I, I, I'm, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't know. Find something else to, to put in place of it because people have a habit, yeah. a habit and you'd have to give them a new a new thing, maybe something out of the big, give a challenge to somebody's home group. What could we use besides it works if you work it? Okay, well, we may have to put a challenge out to replace it works if you work it. I'm going to make nice. a note of that. Yeah, I say scrap okay. it. Yeah. Jay Wayne? Scrap. Good stuff, good stuff. Y'all want to move on to meeting shrapnel? Let's hit it. What do we got first, Shank? All right. Meeting shrapnel number one. Graham, my disease made me do it. Mm. My disease. What what disease would that be? (laughs) So, I mean, the first thing I've got to say to that is our literature doesn't talk about a disease. It talks about an illness. And I don't know if that's important, but maybe it is, yeah. maybe it's not. So uh, this idea that my disease is separate from me, uh, the book says that disease centers in my mind. So I, I might be wrong, but I think my mind is inside my head somewhere. That's typically where humans think it is. So this idea that I am uh, some poor victim that at any moment could be see this disease that's outside doing push-ups or it's in the bushes hiding. It could leap on me, take me over like some kind of demon and get me to do something I don't want to do, like drink or drive a car into a crowd of people or just something crazy. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's really absurd. And what I've found over the years is when people are saying that, it's usually a yet another way that the alcoholic has found to avoid responsibility, taking responsibility for one's own actions, especially bad actions, as other people might perceive them. Usually people say that when, I mean, for a long time in AA, my morals, this is after I got sober, my morals operated at the level of, can I get away with this? Mm-hmm. And that was really my moral code. Can I get away with this? Is anyone going <laughs> to see me do this? Especially right. people in AA, because I want to look good to them. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, my disease is outside doing push-ups in the parking lot. It's it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. And uh, 
I, it must have come from some treatment center, but it's dangerous. For me, that idea how I have no power over that disease and, and it's just going to get me, you know, and, and again, it is a guaranteed program of action. It's not a lotto, it's not a game of chance. If anybody with alcoholism comes to AA and does these actions, then the result is that they can be recovered from alcoholism. Yeah. I've seen it with my own eyes. What do you think, Jay Wayne? Well, you know my thoughts on this one. This is probably uh, my my least favorite. I I mean I we we I think we may have covered this on episode one with just me and you, but yeah, I mean the book never calls alcoholism a disease. There actually I've I meant to bring a copy of it, but there's a there's a letter that Bill Wilson wrote years ago on why he never called the illness a disease, and so he explains it that he he never referred to alcoholism personally as a disease. Uh, I won't bore you with that, but um, I mean, disease implies that you can take a pill or have a procedure and fix it, right? You can talk to to current medical folks; they they're never taught that alcoholism is a disease in any of their classes. They are they do call it a disorder. So I mean, the idea that we're dealing with some kind of disease just is 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 just ludicrous to me. I I think it's it was really popular when I got sober for people to say it. I think it came right out of a treatment center. And to me, it's just an excuse people use for their own selfishness and self-centeredness. They use it uh, as an excuse for inappropriate behavior. And they use it, you know, just as a, uh, I mean, I, th I think we should completely and utterly scrap it. But Shank, you got any thoughts on it? Listen, I don't really care. Yeah. You know, when I, I don't care if is alcoholism, alcoholism, a disease. Okay. Is it not? Okay. Either way, I still have it. And either way, I still have the solution. So I don't know when I was in treatment, they told me a lot of things, chalk talks, father, Martin charts of the body, how drugs and alcohol break down in your body and brain and all that was all fine. It was, thank you for the information. You know, like I have the solution and it's the book yeah. Alcoholics Anonymous. So to me, it just doesn't, it just doesn't really make a big difference. Scrap it. Get it out of here. Scrap it. Graham, what do you think? Did your disease make you do it? I think it's, uh, it's a vulgar display of ego and it has to be scrapped. Yeah. It works if you work it. So let's, uh, <laughs> what's our first one, Shane? All right. Meeting shrapnel number one. My worst day sober is better than my best day drinking. Oh my God. Step with an That's F. Sad. What do you think? I think that is a damn sad proclamation right there. If you did not have fun when you were drinking, you did not do it right. I don't know. Oh. I've heard that one always. And, it, and I always, it, there was a time I went along with it, to be perfectly honest with you. I was like, that's right. But I had some really awesome times drinking. And I've had some real, real shitty times in sobriety. So, yeah. That's just. Bebot, what do you think? 
Well, you already know what I think about it, but <laughs> I'll uh, I'll tell you, I I don't. It's just it's just inaccurate. I mean, I had. I understand the the idea of my life today is way better than it was. Mm-hmm. Is way better sober. My life in general is better sober than when I was drinking. There is no doubt about that. I would go along with that all day long. But the idea that my what is it worst day worst day sober sober yeah. It's better, it's better than, than my best day, best day drinking. It's just not true. I had some really good days drinking. I had some fun. I mean, yeah. I could, you know, example after example. I So I had somebody recently tell me that this was I want to know what Shank the, thinks of that one, too. Oh, we're going we're gonna to get her. Don't worry. The, get her. I, I, I recently had somebody tell me that this was in the book. Or that what something book? similar, the, the book Alcoholics <laughs> Anonymous. So they reference Fred and okay. said, well, Fred, Fred said it in the big book. I'm like, well, I don't think he did. So I've got it here just in case that guy's listening. Here's what Let's Fred hear. said. My old manner of life was by no means a bad one, but I would not exchange its best moments for the worst I have now. That's it's a different. little different. It's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, we don't know if Fred ever stayed sober. So, I mean, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's that's different than what that saying is. Shane, yeah, because you that's like this saying one. I wouldn't trade sobriety for my best day drinking. Yeah. That. That's probably what he's saying. Yeah, and that's that's mm-hmm. probably accurate. Yeah. Reverend Shank, what do you think? Well, I mean, I had some pretty bad sober days, uh, especially in my first year of sobriety. Yeah. Um, the thing about it is, is like when I was drinking, like I, I, there were things that were fun that should have been fun, but the way that I drank, like I didn't have a ton of like fun drinking. Now, if you had seen me, like I was at the tailgates, like chugging moonshine blacking out doing god's know what i'm sure that i looked like i was having a great time uh in the moment but my i wanted to black out and i pretty much blacked out every time that i drank so hearing the next day what i did or didn't do um not great i still i still uh you know i don't i don't know i don't hate this one Really? Hey, me and AA Ron, me and AA Ron got a hold of your phone one time and scrolled through some of your old pictures. It looked like you were having a pretty good time. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we can talk I know about a picture, that later. I know a but, picture can't, it's just a snapshot, but. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that this is necessarily true. I did have some fun drinking and I had some really bad days sober you know so i'm not about it yeah. it's too specific think about it your is. worst day sober is better yeah, than i mean best day. and your best day drinking i mean oh my gosh they're like yeah. i can think of some right now that the feeling yeah. i had was pure freedom pure joy all of that it didn't last you know down the road yeah, but i had it was temporary specific 
events that took place that were like, I mean, why, that's why I chased it like I did. The yeah. freedom level was 100%. Yeah. So what are we going to do with this one, Steph? Oh, my, what do you mean? You're going to keep it or scrap it? Um, I don't, I think you should keep it. Because what? some people like it. Some people really like oh, it. You went scrap soft it. on us. <laughs> scrap no. it. It's out okay, of here. Scrap, I don't care, honestly. <laughs> I didn't know. I was trying to do what I think makes sense, and I, but I don't really care. It's That's fun. The, okay. I just think it's one of these things that sets it up for a newcomer. Like, okay, yeah. well, if I have a bad day sober, it's still going to be better than my best yeah. day drinking. Like, what? No. All right, scrap so it, scrap it. We've I may had have been a shift wrong. now. We've had a I shift now. Steph wants to. Steph wants to scrap it, and Shank wants to keep it. No, <laughs> I want to scrap it. Get it out of here. Throw them out. <laughs> I don't even know what they are. Scrap them all. What's the first one, Shank? All right, shrapnel number one is halt. No. Hungry. <laughs> Angry, lonely, tired. Marty, what you got? What you think? Uh, have you heard I, this I one mean, before, Marty? I have, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I heard, I heard all about it. Um, <laughs> I think, I mean, you know, it's sure there's some truth there. Um, what, what is it? I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe you could say like, all right, well, maybe, maybe to stop drinking, I should just eat a little bit more. I don't, <laughs> I don't <know>. <laughs> <laughs> What is it? <laughs> what am I supposed to do with it? I don't, that's what doesn't make, that's what like, yeah, I get it. I get, I get angry when I'm hungry. Okay. But what, like, what's the action? What do I need to do? Like, where do I, I guess eating is the action. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> So I still have a couple of folders in my filing cabinet of everything I did when I went to treatment and <clears throat> I wanted to be the perfect, obviously recovered person. So I kept everything and there were several kind of acronyms in there. This was one of them. And it was in relation to like acting out or like if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, you're probably going to think about drinking more. So you need to always make sure that you take care of those things, change your playgrounds and play it's triggering. friends and I'm, like all of that stuff. Wings kind of, I ate and I was drinking at the same time. Yeah. It was kind of like, <laughs> um, it was kind of all tied into one. Like if you're trying to stay sober and there were other acronyms also, but I hear the hungry, angry, lonely, tired halt. It's more catchy more often yeah we think Wayne. Yeah. alt yeah don't get too hungry well i don't know it sounds like some kind of wellness program or something <laughs> um, hey, is this one in the living sober book oh we should have checked swear, it could be i swear i think i don't it talk is. about i know marty's sober. a marty's a fan of living <laughs> sober that thing's living gotta go got but anyway um, it didn't really I'm, help me that much while I was incarcerated, Marshall. Okay, like everything they're suggesting in there, I couldn't freaking do. I was like, "Who sent me this uh, trash?" I don't know. Maybe you should have been incarcerated. I don't understand. <laughs> well, there you have it. All right, 
I think it's, you know what, it's accurate, right? You shouldn't get too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. But I mean, that's not sure, going to, yeah. none of that's going to remove the obsession to drink. So, I mean, if you, you know what, and actually it ties into the 10th step. If you're doing a 10th step, then, and you're watching for selfishness and dishonesty and resentment and fear, then, and these things cause that, then that's probably your action is go eat something and get a, take a nap and get into a relationship. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't, I don't think it's. I don't hear it that much anymore, but maybe yeah, I was going to say, I don't hear it. Maybe it's around, but I do need to check the living sober book, but even if it's in that it definitely needs to be scrapped. What, what do you think, Marty? You keeping it? You scrapping it? I'm going to, I'm going to scrap it. Yeah. All right. Shank, what do you think? It's out of here. Yeah. Well, remember, it works. It really does. <laughs> I think that, I think that brings us to meeting shrapnel. We're up. We're up close to it, Shank. What is? Uh, what's our first? Uh, first one. All right. Meeting shrapnel. Number one. The newcomer is the most important person in the room. Amanda? This is probably my biggest uh, pet peeve, whatever you want to call it. Um, when I was a newcomer, I totally agreed with it, right? So it was important. <laughs> sure. Favorite thing when they said that. Uh, Today, it's the totally opposite. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people with untreated alcoholism with 20 years sitting in the rooms, miserable, you know, just restless, irritable, discontented. And, and to be honest, like those are the people I run to, man, because I've seen the outcome of that and it's not good. And they're, unfortunately, Alcoholics Anonymous is filled with them, um, filled with them. So I think that's a major, like I know, um, kind of maybe the baseline on is it harmful or not that's super harmful super harmful um untreated alcoholism is rampant doesn't matter how much time you have um i think the newcomers are almost probably in a better position <laughs> than the people with 10 15 years of untreated alcoholism that's my two cents on that get rid of it jay wayne man just slam that one there's like no love it there's no wiggle room to even convince her otherwise Hey, this came straight from Narcotics Anonymous. It's in one of the readings. Oh, it is? And, oh, yeah. Yeah. What? And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's in one of the readings. Huh. And it's completely inaccurate. How did I, I not know that? Well, I can send it to you after the after the meeting here. Yeah, but after all of the times that I've complained about this, and you've never mentioned to me that it's from... Narcotics Anonymous. I didn't think about it until it just hit me a minute ago. <laughs> I was trying to figure out where this one came from, but yeah, it's in there. And it's just, it's just not true. I mean, I understand that the, if they're saying that we need new people to keep the fellowship alive, then 
I, I could buy into that, but to say that the newcomer is the most important person in the room, it's just not true f- for a number of reasons. If you believe in the concept of God, God believes all people are equal, I would think, and that all, you know, that we're all equal. If you believe in our traditions, you know, the first tradition basically says that we're all, we're all equal and we're all unified. And, you know, my experience is similar to Amanda's. I, heck, I met with a guy last week that's been sober over 20 years. He's in way worse shape than some of the new people I'm working with. And it's just, yeah. And we all, we all need help and we all, oh, the good news is we're not all sick at the same time. Um, but thank God, <laughs> thank God for that. But it's just a, it's just a dumb statement. I think I mean, you don't know who, I mean, we're, yeah, we're all important. How about that? <laughs> you got any thoughts on it, Shank? Or are you going to, uh, I don't, I just, I was, I, in AA, the old timers are the ones that, um, I've always preferred to be around and I have seen old timers really struggle through some stuff and it's not that I was sponsoring them, but it was that I was showing up, you know, and, um, I do think that it's been such a gift to hear people that have 20, 30, 40 plus years still kind of having some struggles. Um, and it's not that I want to see them struggle, but it's just, being able to be part of that solution too and yep. see that they're not deemed white as snow and uh that they do still also help newcomers so it's like if you don't have old timers you don't have newcomers if you don't have people that have been sober for an amount of time like this thing will cease to exist yes. so whether or not they're the most important i don't know but i'm not the one that's going up to the newcomer like sign up to be in my home group immediately i i you're an alcoholic, don't you know? No one comes to an AA meeting unless they're an alcoholic and eat it. Um, so no, I don't think they're the most important. Scrap it. Okay. Scrap it, Amanda. Scrap it. All right. Scrap it. It's out of here. All right. It's out of here. What's the next one? All right. Meeting shrapnel number two. If you don't take the first drink, you won't get drunk. Ooh. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) That's brilliant, isn't it? (laughs) Oh. Tony, what do you think about this one? Oh, this one here is kind of a... It's it's muddied water for me. Yeah. Um, Because the book talks about, you know, the only thing that is complete abstinence Hmm. um and and we hear right away that it's the first drink that sets things in motion you know if i don't take that first drink it never sets that obsession compulsion into motion so ooh, this one's kind of muddy water for me um it has some validity but it's also kind of the same thing it's cliche it's just something people say um that sounds cute um but underlying is the the depth of weight of it is, is yes, if I don't take that first drink, there's a real good chance it's impossible for me to get drunk. Yeah. Um, but but the thing that takes me back to it is is that 
cessation of drinking is just the beginning. So once we stop drinking, we have to put something else in place. And, and that's where the program comes in. So there's so much more to it than just, just you know, the catchy little saying. Yeah. Shank, what do you think? I'll be honest. I did not understand this. <laughs> I was just like, it, uh, okay. You know, like I thought what? there was some kind of hidden meaning when I would hear people <laughs> say this. Like if you don't take the first drink, you won't get drunk. I'm like, that just doesn't really make sense to me. I didn't get drunk on one drink. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Well, hold I on a minute. Same thought. Oh, I had that same on. thought, Susie. Who, who's the lightweight that gets drunk on one yeah. drink? <laughs> but Shank, you you listened to Father Martin Chalk Talk, didn't oh he? Talk gosh. about it was the engine and it's not the caboose or something like yes. that. Oh yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, even still, you know. And then there was like the little chart, and it's like, oh, your drinking is like it. Like yes. Oh yeah. But, oh yeah. What? It, it's uh, if you don't take the first drink, you won't get drunk. Well, that's a fact. Yeah. I mean, if you want to just it's, argue, it's an accurate, fact, it it's is an accurate statement. <laughs> it, it is. It, there is no depth to it. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't. No. It's not really helpful. Well, that's no. just Problem. like telling someone like, "Hey, uh, don't drink." How helpful was that? I could yeah. go around telling people not to drink all the time. Right. Not helpful. Don't take Did the you first ever drink listen to anybody that told you not to drink? No, I just cut them out immediately. Listen to anyone. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> You're out of here. stage left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to scrap this one. What about you, Tony? Yeah, I can scrap this one. Shank? Scrapped. It's out of here. All right. Meeting shrapnel number one. AA will give you a life beyond your wildest dreams. No. <laughs> what do you think, Joyce? That's terrible. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, I think it's really, really terrible. I mean, I just, you know, I have a lot of wild dreams. Still do, you know. I mean, left to my own devices, satisfy uh, my ego and greed. And um, AA is not some sort of uh, wish factory, you know, it, I actually, it's a point of contention that I have around here, honestly. I mean, you know, that, that there's some sort of assurances that AA is going to provide some sort of material, you know, output is just false, you know, I mean, AA is just a spiritual life and my, the only thing that it promises is that I'm going to have a respite from this, from this spiritual illness and um, trying to sell anybody on anything else, I feel like is, is false advertisement. Wow. I don't think we need to say anything else on that. That 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 nailed that one. Although, um, so I heard somebody say this this past weekend. They gave a talk and they said it. And, of course, I've heard it for years. But my first thought was always, well, they've never been in my dreams. If they, th- if they, <laughs> if they, really, if they really think this is going to be beyond my wildest dreams, they've never been in my dreams. But it's, um, yeah, it's. False advertising is a good way to put it. Yeah, I don't like it. Shane, you like it? I mean, this all, I can relate anything back to what I'm about to say, but 
it just reminds me of people who were like, you know, I had 25 felonies and then I started working the steps and they all went away. And, or, you know, people who were like, I wanted, you know, a husband and a house and a this and a that. And I got sober and I got all of those things. And it's like, I mean, okay, but that's not what AA is, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah. I have an amazing life today, but yeah, we got my good wildest dreams. I've had a lot yeah. of bad times too. I will have, you know, sure. I've had a lot of bad times in sobriety. My first year, I mean, I would say that that wasn't ideal. Yeah. Yeah, it does imply, and we do this a lot in AA and just regular meetings, it does imply, hey, just do the right thing and nothing but good things are going to happen. It's just, it's just not true. I mean, it's just not true. So, Joyce, you're going to keep it or scrap it? I'll scrap that one. All right, I'm going to scrap it. Shank? It's out of here. Um, the next one, which I think maybe we touched on a little bit in the episode with Joyce, but... You don't know what you don't know. <laughs> I'm just going to go in quick on this one. I hate this. It, and it, it always cracks me up when people in meetings talk. And I guess it's called the third person or they'll use their name. Mm -hmm. Jerry don't know what Jerry don't know. <laughs> Jerry didn't realize when Jerry was sitting in the treatment center that he suffered from a disease. <laughs> and they told me that I don't know what I don't know. I do think that that's where a lot of this stuff comes from is treatment centers. I didn't have experience in Alcoholics Anonymous before I went to a 30-day rehab. Right. Um. So I very well could have been hearing all of this and just didn't know. Yeah, you didn't know um, what you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much um, that's written in my first big book that I had in prison. There are like all kinds of quotes. There's, uh, I made my own index. So if you open it up, which that's the one that I leave at home, but if you open it up, alphabetically i have like acceptance and then it's like page whatever page oh whatever, yes page whatever. i love it and you know i one of the things that i remember that is in there says and i wrote it in red just to make sure that i knew is feelings are not facts and i remember like it was yesterday one of the women who brought the meetings in there would say that and it was probably quite relevant because we were just talking about how we feel and how the guards were terrible and yes. everything else but um you don't know what you don't know don't know what you don't know well maybe you talked me into it probably not I, yeah i don't i mean i guess it's accurate you don't know what you don't know but i don't know Keep, I don't you know. Don't know. <laughs> yeah, keep, I think I'm going to scrap it. I'm scrapping it. Thanks for listening. If you have a comment, suggestion, or just need help, you can email Shank and Wayne at freedom at alcoholicsalive.com. Remember, we're recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous. But we do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, nor do we get paid. Join us next week for another great episode. Mm -hmm.